Well, normally one of my favorite things about following Jesus and my favorite day of the week is, is Sunday, usually. Right? Normally we get to gather in here like this and the room is more full than this and there's not all these barriers trying to get us to sit apart from each other. Uh, there are people at the door who can greet you and give you a picture of the warm welcome that Christians are going to have into the house of heaven one day from Jesus himself. And then we get to sing songs and we get to be reminded of what it will sound like one day when we are gathered before Jesus, probably with cherubim and seraphim and angels and other creatures that we've never heard of, hearing the roaring sound of praise given to Jesus Christ. That picture we get of that in here is awesome. The prayers we get to offer together, the Lord speaking through his words. It's one of my favorite times of the week. It gets me out of bed early every time, and I can't wait to get here. Normally, right? Key word, Normally. And I think for all of us, there's a sense right now that this just isn't the same. Like what we're doing now just doesn't cut it, doesn't do it for us. It's a, a dark point in history, really, when we can't come to church and we can't do the things that we love to do here at church. And we want to be honest this morning with the fact that that leaves all of us with emotions that we've got to process. There are things we love about this day that we're used to and we don't get to do. Some of you wish that you had gotten to teach a Sunday school lesson before you came in here or got to be part of a Sunday school lesson, or you long for the sound of music and singing bouncing off of these walls. What we feel right now is really similar to what a particular psalmist felt as he wrote the 42nd and 43rd Psalms. And so we're going to deviate from our normal plan this year, which is to preach from passages that are part of our Bible reading plan from the week. We're going to go over to Psalm 42, and I pray that that will help us process some of the emotions and disappointment that we're going through right now. The story behind Psalm 42, we only know part of it. It's written by someone who is a son of Korah. Uh, that is part of the Levitical tribe, the people who were doing jobs in the temple, but not the priests themselves. So this is the doorkeepers, the musicians, the people who are leading the procession in and doing all those kind of jobs, kind of jobs that many of you do here in the church normally on Sunday. And for some reason, probably because of war, he is kept away from the temple and is not able to go to temple worship like he wants to do. Puts him in a very similar situation to those of you that are sitting on the Zoom call right now, wishing you were present here with us. Or our shut-ins who have been shut into their own homes, some of them for years, and wish they could be with us in worship, but they can't be with us in worship. Or the position that all of us were in a week ago and two weeks ago on Sunday, wishing we could be gathered for worship, but not there. He's in the very same situation. He's processing the emotions. He does not feel great about it. It's leading to some sadness, even maybe you could say some depression for him. He says, my soul is cast down within me. We're going to look at how he feels, and my prayer is that that will help all of us process our emotions, our disappointment in this strange season, when even when we can gather, it's just not the same. Hear these words that the psalmist writes by the Spirit of God. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, Where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go out with a throng and I would lead them in procession to the house of God. 
with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, and therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The words of the Lord. May he, through these words, make our Sundays all the more sweet for the rest of this strange season. A few raw facts about this psalm, just looking at the structure of it before we dive into the meaning of it. Now, sometimes when you're looking at a particular thing and zoomed in, it's helpful to just zoom out and know where you are, right? If somebody tells you, I'm driving on 465, that's more meaningful to you if you've got the picture of the interstates in Indianapolis in your head and you know 65 and 70 coming out of them and 465 going around. Then someone says, I'm on 465 and you got a little good picture of where they are. So we'll zoom out here. We'll look at Psalm 42 and 43 together, just get the structure, then we'll zoom back in. So... Psalms 42 and 43 were probably originally the same song, probably split in two by the priests who gathered all of these psalms together into this Psalter. We don't know that for sure, but it looks that way because they're the same structure, and that structure continues through to the 43rd Psalm. Here's what I mean. There's a structure much like a modern pop song or a modern worship song where it goes verse-chorus, verse-chorus, verse chorus right you've heard songs like that on the radio we sing songs like that three verses three choruses this composer does the same thing i'll show it to you verses one through four function as kind of that first stanza and then verse five is the chorus why are you cast down O my soul why are you in turmoil within me hope in god for i shall again praise him my salvation and my god so there's your first verse first chorus then most of verse 6 all the way to verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 10, functions as that second stanza. And then we get the chorus again in verse 11. Same words. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And moving on into Psalm 43, the first four verses make that third stanza. And the last verse is the chorus again. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? So on and so forth. So you got between the two, three verses and three choruses, just like songs you're probably really familiar with on the radio. Fun thing is, the Beatles didn't invent that. That is an ancient structure that carries back at least to this era. So that's the big structure. And usually in a song like that, if you've got a song in your head, the part you've got in your head is probably the chorus. And writers of songs know that. The part that's repeated over and over again, that's the part you're going to get in your head. And so that's the most important part. The most important part of these two psalms are that refrain that's repeated over and over again. 
So at the end of the sermon, when we land there, that's why, because it's the chorus of the song. It's the most important part of the song. There are the raw facts. There's the structure. Now we'll zoom in, and we'll not do a full exposition of this thing. We'll just look at three points that will help us all process our disappointment with this season and the strange emotions that come with the strangeness of gathering or not gathering in worship in this season. Three points that will help us. Here's number one. Most important thing. The best thing about church is Jesus. Of all the things you get when we are here, the best blessing is that Jesus Christ himself, by spirit, is here with us right now. Here's how we see this in that psalm. We compare verse 4 with verses 1 and 2. In verse 4, the psalmist is reminiscing about real things he did in the temple, right? He used to lead the procession in. So if they're coming in, I don't know, maybe there was a big banner that the guy in front carried or a trumpet or something. He's the guy that's leading the whole procession in. And there are sounds of shouts and songs and praise everywhere. When was the last time you heard a room full of shouts and songs of praise? Right? I bet your heart misses that right now. Well, his heart missed it too as he is far away from temple worship. He's looking back and saying, oh, I remember leading him in. I remember the sounds, the shouts, the songs, the praises. Oh, they were so good. Just like some of you are thinking, oh man, I remember standing up here in the choir and we would all stand up together and we'd sing in harmony and there was a trumpet and there was an organ and there was a piano and Karen was directing us and we were all together and it was so sweet, right? I remember sitting around the table in Sunday school and we were all close together and sharing our prayer requests and we could see each other's faces and oh, those were the good days, right? He's reminiscing like a lot of us reminisce about some of the things that we miss. But the point here is, he doesn't get to that reminiscing until he has said over and over again the thing that is dearest to him, the thing that his heart thirsts for the most in verses 1 and 2, where he says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Right? My soul thirsts for God, he says, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Four times he repeats his name. This is the one that he longs for. He longs to be in the presence of God. He misses the temple because he says, I want to go there not because the room is beautiful, not because the procession is fun, not because the sounds are wonderful, but because God is there and I miss being in his presence. That's what's most important to him. And once he gets that out of the way and repeats it numerous times, now he's ready to reminisce about the particular things that he misses. Now, you might be asking, why does he feel like he needs to go to the temple to be in God's presence when God is everywhere, right? Well, God is everywhere, and at times, he has chosen to place his glory and his name in particular places or with particular gatherings of people in a special way that's not like the way that he is present everywhere. We could think of the time when Israel was going through the desert, one of the few times in history that the whole nation of Israel was gathered together. They're all walking together through the desert, and there is a pillar of fire at night leading them, and a pillar of smoke by day leading them. And that is the very presence and spirit of God, the Lord resting his glory right there, not tied to a place, 
but tied to the people. And wherever the people go, they actually follow him around. And wherever the presence is, the people are there as well. So sometimes it's tied to a gathered people, the very presence and glory of God resting with us. At other times, he chooses, chooses to rest his name in a certain place. And he says, I want my people to come to this place to be in my presence. That's what he did with the temple. In the temple, he says, uh, Solomon, I want you to build this temple and I will rest my glory and my name there. Solomon builds it. And he says, Lord, the heavens and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this little house that I built. Yet, would you remember your promise and let your glory and name dwell here in the place fills with smoke and awe and wonder and the presence of the Lord comes down and rests there in a beautiful, special awe-inspiring way that would make us all tremble if we were to see it. In that area, it was tied to that place, and that psalmist wants to get back to that place where you know the presence of God is there. In our era now, we're back to a time when God rests his presence on the people, on the gathered people. So God's special presence is not here in this building with us, so to speak. It is here with this gathered people. Jesus says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And so six days a week, this room is just a normal room. And people like me and Mindy and Bob come in here and do work, and it's, it's just another room. And then, one day a week, the people of God gather here. And as we are here, and Jesus remembers his promise, two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. The presence of Jesus himself rests upon us and is with us here. That's the best thing about church, the fact that when we gather like this, he's here. And in the same way that that psalmist, when he's cut off from that gathering, as sometimes happens in God's providence, in the same way that he longs to be there, when we're cut away, it just hurts our hearts to not be here. Some of you guys last week were trying to figure out the home liturgy and trying to seek the Lord as best you could, and you're saying to yourself, this is just not the same. Well, you know what? You're not crazy. It's just not the same as when we are gathered here. Some of you guys are on the Zoom call right now, and you're doing everything you can to seek God, and you're saying, okay, this is better than nothing, but it's just not the same. You're not crazy. It's just not the same. Those of you that watch this thing on YouTube later, it's just not the same. Your desire to be here is a real desire. We can acknowledge it. You're not crazy. And the reason you want to be here is because the presence of Jesus is here in this gathering. That's what you're thirsty for. Now, when you're thirsty for something, it's good to know just what it is that you're thirsty for, right? Sometimes in, in real life, you can be thirsty in your body and think that you're hungry and fill yourself with food and you're still not satisfied because you didn't realize you actually just wanted water. You drink some water and you'll feel better. Your heart can do the same thing. You can thirst for things and not realize it's Jesus that you're thirsty for. What you want to be with here, when you're here in this gathered people, you want to be in the presence of Jesus. That's what's going to satisfy that thirst in your heart. If you can get that right and get that deep in your heart, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, then you're ready to reminisce about the things that you miss. Then you're ready to say, oh, I remember the sound of that organ and the sound of that guitar and the people singing together and wasn't that wonderful. But you're only ready for that once you've remembered how much you thirst for Jesus, just like this psalmist. The things we long for are just pictures of what we'll have in heaven one day. 
This gathering here, just a small picture of one day Jesus will return and raise us all from the dead and gather us all together. That would be way better than anything we've got here. The songs of praise are just a picture of what we will have around the throne of Jesus forever, actually seeing the radiance of his face seated on his throne, encircled in the rainbow as all of his redeemed people throughout all of history sing together. What we get here is just a little picture of that, all meant to point your heart to Jesus. So set your heart on him first. If we can do that, it'll do at least two things for us. First, it will guard us from falling into the trap that the Ephesian church fell to in Scripture and many churches fall to today. There are many churches that are filled with what I would call churchy pagans. And that is people who love all the stuff about church, right? Whatever brand of church they have, American traditional church or, or uh, whatever nation they're in, you know, Russian church or contemporary American church, whatever it is that's churchy there for them, they love that stuff, but don't love Jesus. The love for all the stuff has superseded their love for Christ. Something like this happened to the church in Ephesus, and Jesus confronts them in the book of Revelation and says, yet I have this against you, you forgot your first love. Right? You forgot your love for me. If it can happen to the church in Ephesus, which if I could pick a first century church to pastor, it would be the church in Ephesus. They were rolling and doing all kinds of awesome stuff. If it can happen to them, it can happen to any church, and it can happen to us too. But if the Lord guards us through these words to say, my soul thirsts for him, now we can be on guard against falling into that trap that so many churches have fallen into. So let the Lord guard you through these words. Let him also comfort you through these words. Some of you, as I said before, are saying this just doesn't feel right. Last week you were saying this just doesn't feel right. right? Let the Lord comfort you as he says, yes, it's not right. You were made for something better than this. We were made for worship, gathered together, without masks on, singing our hearts out to Jesus. That's what we were made for, and we're going to have something better in heaven, and it just doesn't feel right. Let the Lord comfort you in that as he acknowledges that this morning. There's our first point. Best thing about church is Jesus. When we're cut off from that by God's hand of providence, it just doesn't feel right. And we can see the darkness that's even tormenting this psalmist's heart in that. The second point I want to make this morning is that when you want to be here but you can't, God is working to minister to you as you seek him. We see that in verse 8. Let's look at verse 8 together. Now this psalmist is having a hard time with this. He says in verse 6, my soul is cast down within me. He says deep is calling to deep. Your breakers and waves are going over me. But in verse 8 he says, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. We have this mysterious but sweet picture of him having some kind of special communion with God, some way that God is serving and ministering to him, caring for his heart until he can again gather in this season when he's cut off from the gathered community. It's mysterious. You can't quite understand it. One of my questions is who's singing to who, right? At night, his song is with me. That makes it sound like God's singing to him. 
Next line says, a prayer to the God of my life. So is God singing to him or is he singing to God? I don't know. It's mysterious, but it is beautiful. Somehow the steadfast love of God is commanded upon him, and he has some kind of sweet, special fellowship with God, ministering to him, keeping him until he can get back there. And Krishna, I want to say to you that in these weird times when we don't get everything that we are made for, As we seek the Lord, he is seeking us and helping us to get through these seasons. Those of you on Zoom right now that are saying this is not the same as being there. You say, wait, wait, do I get God's presence in the same way as the people gathered do? Like, what's going on there? During this season, as you are seeking him by figuring out weird technology and and doing all this stuff, staring at a screen for longer than you probably want to, as you are seeking God, he is seeking you in the same way to serve you, and to minister to you. For all of you that last Sunday couldn't be here, but you tried something, whether it was home liturgy or some kind of scripture reading, you tried to do something to seek God's presence. He's there ministering to you in a special way. It's not the same as being here, but he will keep you all the way until you can get back here. There's another picture of that in Revelation chapter 1 that a lot of us are kind of familiar with. A lot of you know the story of Revelation, right? There's all these grand visions that John has, and we forget sometimes the place in the story where that happens. Uh, John is in prison on an eye. He's been in prison for preaching the gospel, uh, stuck in this room that he can't leave, which means he can't go to the gathering, right? He can't go to Sunday gatherings with his church family. He's just stuck in there probably unable to tell one day of the week from the next, right? He gets up on Sunday and he probably tries to do something to seek the Lord, but he can't go to church. And what he says in chapter 1 in verses 9 and 10, he says, I was imprisoned on this island and I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, he says. And that is when he has this grand vision of revelation. It's easy to forget that that whole thing happened on a Sunday while he was sitting there or standing there in the Spirit, God gives him this special, wonderful experience designed to keep all believers on a Sunday. And the door is open for us to wonder, wait, was he in the Spirit every Sunday? Like something special was happening there on those Lord's days when he is in there in that prison. The Lord reaching out to him because he can't be present at the gathering, blessing him and keeping him until the day when he folds him into all of God's people. Now that ought to be an encouragement to our many shut-ins who have spent years at home unable to be part of this gathering. They can't be here. It's not the same. But as they seek God, he is with them. That'll be an encouragement to you who I'm sure missed church. If you didn't get to go for six weeks, you had to miss it. But the Lord was there with you, seeking you as you were seeking him. Your part in all of this is to seek him indeed. During seasons like this, even now, we're not going to get to have our usual diet of singing and going home and then coming back for prayer and all the things that we normally do. But you can supplement that by spending extra time in the scriptures, spending your Sundays reading other books that nourish your soul. Or there are some programs even on TV now that are made by believers that are designed to encourage you. Or listening to strong Christian music that will encourage your soul. Praying, spending time in worship with your family. So many ways you can seek God's presence, especially on Sundays. And during weird times like this, do that. And watch him reach out to you in that special way. So that's our second point. As you can't be here and you long to be here, God is reaching out to you, working especially in your heart to sustain you and keep you until you can gather again. And that brings us to our third point. I already hinted at it, until we can gather again, right? Third point 
is to lift up your soul because you will again praise him in the assembly. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, odds are you'll probably gather here again with us. But if you can't do that, one day the Lord will fold us all in and we will all worship him together as we were made to do. We see this most clearly in the chorus, the most important part of the song. Let's read it from verse 5. Or if you want to have fun, you could just read it from verse 11 because they're the same and you can kind of chuckle to yourself that you read it from the different verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So he states a truth here. And from that truth, he encourages his own soul. He actually coaches and speaks to his own soul. The truth is, I shall again praise him, right? Hope in God's soul, for I will again praise him. And if your faith is in Jesus Christ, that is true of you this morning. You will probably gather here in this room again and worship with us. But even if you don't do that, the Lord will call you into his holy sanctuary and we will all worship together in eternity one day. You've got an irrevocable, certain hope of worship forever and life forevermore in Jesus' presence with his gathered people. That's the truth. He knows this as well. He knows he will either make it back to the temple and worship or he'll be called into that temple in heaven to worship one day. He will again praise him. From that truth, he encourages himself. He actually talks to his own feelings. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Like talking to himself. Would this sound crazy to you if you talked to yourself? Well, he talks to himself. And notice, he doesn't listen to himself, he talks to himself. He doesn't listen to his feelings and say, well, if I feel this way, it must be true. He says, no, feelings, why do you feel that way? You have a certain hope in God. Why are you cast down? Hope in God, self. In this way, he encourages his own soul over and over again. And Christian, you have to do the same thing. This is a season when you're probably feeling up one day and down the next, and all the twists and turns we have gone to have got people feeling things. And when you feel stuff, it's your responsibility, just as this psalmist, to say, soul, here's the truth. I know what you're feeling right now, but here's the irrevocable truth from God's word. To even tell yourself, don't feel this way, so feel like that because I know the truth and I will coach myself with the truth. You may do it once and feel only a little better and then feel worse again and you may have to do it again. Three times this psalmist says to himself the very same thing. Why are you cast down? He goes through a little more and he says it again. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? And then he does it yet again. You may find yourself over and over and over again having to tell yourself what you feel right now is not true. You know the truth. It is in this word and that cycle can keep going and keep going until your hope is made true and you are finally with Jesus forever. So encourage your soul for as long as you have to. Don't listen to your feelings. Talk to your feelings and tell them the truth. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Some of you probably just need to memorize those words so you can tell them to yourself every time your soul is cast down. 
So there we have then three things we can keep in mind to help ourselves process all this disappointment, all this weirdness, the fact that we're all uncomfortable right now and this just isn't working for us. Remember that the best thing about church is Jesus. And even if you have to wear a mask through the whole thing, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is with you, revealing himself. Remember that when you want to be here but can't, or when this gathering isn't everything it is supposed to be, as you seek the Lord, he seeks you and serves you until the day when you can worship again. So then hope in that day and coach your soul to lay out hope and say, I will one day again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray briefly and then we'll spend a few moments in reflection.